Every November, Johnson County government joins the rest of the nation in honoring those who serve their country. On this episode, find out how the county is observing Veterans Day differently. Hear about the special guests who will be recognized and meet a 99-year-old World War II veteran from Johnson County who continues to defy the odds. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. The annual Johnson County Veterans Day observance is a tradition many people look forward to. It's an event that celebrates the lives of our local veterans, but in the middle of a pandemic, it's important to follow safety precautions to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So this year, the event is going virtual. Here to talk more about that is Johnson County Director of Public Affairs and Communications, Jody Hanson. Jody, thanks for joining us here. Of course. Thank you, Teresa. All right. To start off with, can you just talk about the importance of this event and taking the time to honor those who serve our country? Sure. Johnson County government really has a passion for recognizing and honoring and saying thank you to our veterans, those who served. This is our 34th year of holding a Veterans Day observance. So it's just a great opportunity to take a pause on Veterans Day and say thank you for those who served our country. And so every year, I know the theme changes just a little bit. And so this year, who are we especially recognizing? Yes, every year our event honors all veterans who served, but there's always a special emphasis on a either a specific military branch or uh, just a different group of veterans. This year marks the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II and also the end of the Holocaust. So those are the two key people we will be recognizing, World War II veterans and Holocaust survivors. So typically Veterans Day, this Veterans Day observance is a live outdoor event. We have lots of people who come sitting closely together and enjoying just, you know, an hour filled with with, uh, patriotic music and speakers and all that great stuff. And so again, we're in the middle of a pandemic and that is just not a possibility. So can you talk a little bit about how and why this event is going virtual? Yes, you know, typically this event attracts hundreds of, of either veterans and families or just people that are interested in observing the day. So as you said, during a pandemic, this just isn't the time to bring hundreds of people together in person. And so what we're trying to do is capture the essence of the event and include almost everything that we typically do, just doing it virtually. So it's going to be a combination of uh, Chairman Ed Eiler speaking live at 11 o'clock on November 11th during the event and going to video of components that are typically happening live in person. And so in addition to this event actually being hosted live, we've also created some great resources that are available online leading up to this event. So can you talk about those? Yes, we really spent a good amount of effort trying to find Johnson County World War II veterans and really wanted to honor them even leading up to uh, the Veterans Day observance. We heard from nearly 70 World War II veterans that live here in Johnson County. And so we got the chance to get a little information about them, where they serve, the branch they have. We got some photos of them. And so we featured them in the November, December issue of The Best Times, which should have already hit mailboxes. That's one of the magazines that we produced. So there is a spread um, in the magazine honoring them. 
We're also honoring them online and on social media. And then those same veterans will be honored in a video during the Veterans Day itself. And can you talk just a little bit about that 21 day salute that we're doing and, and kind of the sim- symbolism attached to that? I think we've all heard of a 21 gun salute as being part of a, a, a military observance and recognition. And so what we're doing is a 21 day salute. So the 21 work days, Monday through Friday, leading up to Veterans Day, each day we have been highlighting three or four of those veterans on our webpage and on social media. So uh, it's a great opportunity to, if you're following our social media channel, to see who we're talking about that day. And then when you go to the website, you'll see a couple of them are highlighted that day, but then they're all available to see all of their profiles and pictures. And what has been some of the response that we've gotten from this, this recognition? You know, it's been very nice to see the response on social media because we're right now talking about so many other topics. And so I think people are appreciating that we are recognizing veterans. And we've had over a thousand people visit the webpage where these profiles are listed. So uh, we are hearing from the community and we can tell through data that uh, they're being seen. And we're also hearing from veterans' families who are really excited and kind of want to know what day their family member or their loved one is being honored. And then again, they will all be honored as part of our Veterans Day observance on the morning. One of the other neat things I think about this event is that, you know, just like every other year, it incorporates local music. Um, and we're still able to do that, even though the musicians will not be in a room, we've been able to capture that. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, you know, typically we will, depending on where our event is, we'll maybe get a high school band that will come and play. And we've got different local groups that will sing of all ages. You know, we've done sort of a lot of different uh, musical components through the years. But yes, this year, again, it's not safe to get a band together. It's not safe to get a big choir together. And so these organizations um, have taken their time to figure out how to do it safely and have recorded video of themselves. So we are going to have part of our event is going to feature a local quartet called Sassafras. And they videotape themselves all separately. You might have seen other groups do that during this pandemic. So we will have video of the of the four of them singing together, but separately. And then we also have some band music provided by the American Legion Band that you'll hear during uh, parts of our program. So we're so pleased to still be able to incorporate traditional things like that, even though we're doing it differently this year. Um, Another example of that is our wreath presentation. Typically we will have people at the event place wreaths. These are people that represent different organizations, World War II vets, Korean vets, the American Legion, the Gold Star Mothers, you know, nearly a dozen groups to participate. So this year we have recorded them all separately. So we will have a video of the wreath presentations rather than them happening live in the room, just like tabs, just like the rifle salute, all those typical uh, traditional components we still have. And, and just another great feature of this is, you know, normally this is in the middle of a day and you know, some people can't attend this event. And now somebody can sit at their computer and can watch, if not all of it, at least catch part of it. And they can come back and listen or watch uh, the whole thing at a later time, which is a really cool thing. So it's it's not all bad <laughs> that we had to go virtual this year. Um, there's a there's a lot of benefit to that. So I guess the, the final very important information is how do people watch this event this year? 
Yes, uh, the event will be available on our website. So there's a couple, you'll have a couple different options. You can just, if you, all you can remember is the homepage, jococov.org. We will have images leading you to where you need to see it. Um, we have created a special veterans page. So that would be jococov.org slash jocohonorsvets. That's another way to directly get to our event page. And then if you follow us on Facebook, just do a search for either Johnson County Government or at JocoGov, we will be streaming it live on Facebook. We've been told that other television stations in the metro area might be streaming it on their websites or their social media. So the more the merrier, the more places this is seen, uh, it's just a great benefit. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that if you have a veteran in your life and maybe a veteran that's not spending a lot of time on Facebook or on social media, you know, maybe help them in advance, show them where they can find it or set up a plan where maybe they come to your house if that's safe, um, if it's in someone in your family. We just want to make sure that this event is accessible to everybody. And, and kind of what you were saying before, you know, maybe in the future, this is an event where we have two options where you can attend it, you know, in person, because we want that to come back. We want to be able to celebrate in person once it's safe to do so. But maybe it's also available um, virtually. So there's more options. And that's some great information. Thanks, Jody, for joining us. And we look forward to a great crowd to, to come watch this event. Now, in an earlier recorded interview, I got the chance to catch up with one of our featured veterans this year. He's a World War II survivor and a COVID survivor. I'll let him introduce himself. I'm Max DeWeese. I'm 99 years old. If you just want to talk about, um, you know, you live in Johnson County, right? I've, I've lived, uh, I live at Silver crest at Deer Creek. I've lived here seven and a half years now. I uh, lost my wife four years ago, but I stayed and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm content. Very good. Uh, I am also a uh, virus survivor. I'm a World War II veteran. I was in the first company to land on Guadalcanal August 7th, 1942, 2nd Marine Division. Well, we, of course, uh, thank you for your service, and we're excited to be able to celebrate you on Veterans Day as we um, celebrate. Well, I hope I live that long, too. <laughs> I think you'll be okay. Yeah, you only got a couple so. more weeks to go here. But uh, we're excited to celebrate you and other World War II veterans uh, on this Veterans Day. And can you tell us a, a little bit more about your experience, uh, how, you, how you got started and, and what are some well, of your major accomplishments? Well, it's a, I'll make a long story short. I did not graduate from junior college in 1941 because I couldn't pass chemistry. Uh, I was working on the road for John Deere Plow Company, uh, inventory crew came home at Christmas time after Pearl Harbor, ran into my chemistry professor. He talked me into joining the Marines. He was a Marine in World War I, uh, severely wounded in the Battle of Bellawood. So I didn't know any better. I went down and joined the Marine Corps. I tried to join New Year's Eve, but they wouldn't talk to me. They said, come back January 15th, 42. I went back 40, January 15th. Signed up, passed physical, and was aboard a train that night to San Diego to boot camp. Went aboard troop transport Mother's Day of 42. 
lived on that until we landed at Guadalcanal in August. Uh, after Guadalcanal, I was there from the, as I said, I, our company was the first one to land on Japanese soil. Uh, there until the battle was over, went to New Zealand for R&R, &R, uh, then to Travawa, which was a 76 hour battle. Uh, went to the hospital from there and rejoined my company and they had complete complement of men. And so I was transferred to the uh, engineer battalion, combat engineer and became a flamethrower operator. I was a flamethrower operator on Saipan and Tinian. And after 33 months in the Pacific, they let me come home. Uh, when I got home, I ran into my chemistry professor quite by accident. And he said, Max, you can go up to the college office and get your diploma. You have passed chemistry. Now that is probably the toughest chemistry course anyone has ever had. <laughs> uh, in that interim period, I got two purple hearts, was in four major engagements and it actually turned out pretty well for me and down the path because uh, when I went, got home, because I did have two years of college, they sent me to Quantico. Uh, I turned down going to OCS because second lieutenants were put in uh, nine companies and their mortality rate was probably greater than uh, privates. So I took my chances, ended up as an instructor in demolitions and flamethrowers at OCS in Quantico. And I got my discharge because I signed a four-year contract. Uh, came home, met my wife. Uh, her bridesmaid's father was the CEO of the Air Force Reserve Unit at Fairfax Airport. He talked me into going into the reserve. And I did the 5th 105 Howitzer outfit. Used to meet down on what was then known as Journal Post Hill, uh, went to Pendleton, reclassified everybody and they, because I, at that point, was a cost accountant for General Motors Chevrolet plant leads. So they made me a post exchange bookkeeper, which sounded pretty good. And it put me in casual company and uh, most of the reserves had not served most of them were green. They didn't know how to field strip a weapon, let alone clean it. I was helping them and an old Sergeant Major uh, asked me to, uh, well, how come I knew all that? And so I gave him the story. He said, well, tomorrow across the road, training replacement command, they're looking for instructors. Do you interest? I said, sure. So the next morning I went over and talked to the captain in charge. He said, love to have you, you got to go see the S3 officer. The S3 officer was my CO at Quantico. In fact, I used to babysit his kids occasionally. Said, Max, we'll start writing letters and do what we can. Now you have to go down and meet the battalion commander. Walked in his office, I walked in, he said, Max, two weeks, what the hell are you doing here? I said, I'm reporting and requesting that you write letters and get me to stay stateside. Uh, and I had two people that I knew working for me. So the night before the first draft left, 
I was transferred to the training replacement command there at Pendleton and I served the rest of my uh, Korean duty time as an instructor. My wife came out, we lived in South Laguna uh, without much income, but we had a good time. Uh, I stayed in the reserve, uh, I did a total of uh, five hours or uh, five years of active duty and 18 hours of reserve, which gave me 23 hours. I that, that's been the saved me from being bankrupt because my wife was quite ill and I've had the virus and I've never gotten a doctor's bill, a hospital bill, or rehab bill because I have covered by TRICARE for life. So uh, you're shaking your head. I hope you got all that. <laughs> I sure did. That was that was a lot of great information. And, uh, you know, just again, thank you for your service. Some tremendous accomplishments there. Um, you mentioned that you had you had the COVID-19 virus um, and you survived it amazingly, obviously, since we're yeah. sitting here talking. So can you talk a little bit about about that, what that experience was well, like? Yeah, it was sort of strange. Where I live, they were taking our temperature twice a day. And my temperature was always in the upper 90s, so, you know, it was normal. And all of a sudden I had lost my appetite. Food didn't taste good, I didn't want to eat. So the woman that is in charge here, uh, literally I think saved my life because she said, well, let me check your oxygen. And it was 84. And if you know anything about it, and I knew because my wife passed with COPD the next day I was in the hospital. I was there. I was the first uh, virus patient at St. Luke South. I found out later. I was there two weeks. I can remember four days. The rest of the time I have no idea. And then I went to rehab in an exotic place called the Ignite Medical Resort. It's a KU facility down at uh, 39th and Rainbow. Uh, and I didn't want to leave because the food was so good there compared to everything else I've had. <laughs> uh, and the, 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 the toughest part of the whole thing was when I came home, why I was required and I understand why, but it was a pain to do it was that I was quarantined for uh, two weeks, 14 days. I couldn't leave my apartment. Nobody could come in my apartment. And, you know, being isolated for 14 days is not very good. You know, that's that's amazing that you, you survived that. And uh, it sounds like you had quite a reception when you when you left the hospital. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was surprised. Uh, I belong to a group. Well, I don't have membership, but I'm very active in a group called FISH. Uh, which is, stands for Friends in Service of Heroes. And we have given over 30 service dogs to veterans or fem family of veterans because uh, there are a lot of people that their spouse has been in the service and have been able to get things, but they can't. And they don't have the means to do it. And we've been able to help people like that. Uh, I don't know how many electric wheelchairs we've done, done some remodeling of uh, residents so that 
wheelchairs could be used or ramps built to do that. I think three cars that have been uh, equipped to take wheelchairs in them and given to veterans. Uh, they do just a lot of good. I've been very involved in that. Uh, and a chaplain in our Marine Corps League, uh, which we are still active in meeting. I do meals once a week, meals on wheels once a week. And when I get through talking to you, I'm going to call the golf course and get a tea time for Friday because I have a foursome and we're going to play golf Friday because it's going to be warm enough. Yeah, that's right here. You are a, a, a very active uh, resident for sure. And um, just it's it's great uh, to hear your stories and how, how you're still contributing to the community, even after all the service that you've provided to the community. Well, so. why not do it? I'm, I'm capable of it. I have I still drive active in my church. In fact, my church had a uh, golf outing at the end of September and half of that money that we raised went to fish and the other half went to tiny houses out there on Troost, which they we're taking a check to them Veterans Day. I, I just wanted to kind of wrap up with uh, getting some thoughts on, um, you know, just messages to, to the general public about how important it is to, to take this time to observe Veterans Day and express appreciation for those who, who have served their country. Well, I want to make a statement that you may not include which is all right, but I want to make the statement. I do, whenever asked, and not very often anymore, but I speak at schools or whatever, clubs and what have you. And my message is that we have raised two or three and maybe four generations of young people that have no conception whatsoever of the sacrifices that have been made so that they can abuse the liberties that they have. We are losing liberties like nobody's business more rapidly than people even think of. And that bothers me because we have a free country and we have a constitution that says that we have a lot of freedoms, but we aren't allowed to have them. And this is very disturbing to me and uh, I speak, Anytime I can to any group, and this is my basic message, is that we've got to get this thing turned around and get our kids educated as to what has been done for them. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JocoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jocogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.